0: and an indó askeige
1: Táim imíchttaí dhéhsachcht of end of chacht a máchan seo gur féidir é chor iúigh ceart lena win
2: féin. Skilti fis turmi
1: Tá sé nach ara igornamion g
0: gonamán an che sinna eá. Bhí a gin fracht
2: Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author heman Sunim telling us what to do when things don't go your way.
1: When we are, you know, very young and have a
0: first love, and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Today on the Indo-Daily How Russia's invasion of Ukraine has put two Irish MEPs into the spotlight.
1: Now, earlier this week, the European Parliament voted overwhelmingly to adopt a resolution condemning the war in Ukraine as illegal, unprovoked and unjustified military aggression by Russia.
0: Mick Wallace and Claire Daly, two MEPs from Ireland, have in the past defended the actions of Vladimir Putin's regime without attracting too much attention, it has to be said. But that's all changed with Russia's war on Ukraine and a controversial vote against a European Parliament resolution. Condemning Russian
1: aggression. A massive majority, 637 MEPs, voted in favour of the motion. Just 13 voted against, including two Irish MEPs, Mick Wallace and Claire Daly.
0: I'm Siobhan Maguire, and joining me today to discuss all of this are Kim Bielenberg, feature writer at the Irish Independent, and Hugh O'Connell, Irish Independent and Sunday Independent political correspondent. Hugh, why are Claire Daly and Mick Wallace in the news at the moment?
1: Well, last week uh, Claire Daly and Mick Wallace uh, formally opposed a, an EU the a European Parliament supporting an EU-wide ban on the Russian state-backed television news channel RT. Uh, Along with Ludwig Flanagan, another left-wing MEP from from Ireland, from the the Midlands-Northwest constituency, they opposed an amendment to a report on foreign interference in the democratic processes in the EU, which endorsed the uh, ban last month by the European Commission on RT, formerly known as Russian Today, and other uh, Russian news outlets that have the backing of the the Putin regime uh, from being broadcast across the EU. Now, Flanagan is interesting. He's appeared on Russia Today uh, several times in the past. Uh, he argued that um, those appearances served a purpose at the time. And he believed that in, support, in, in not supporting this amendment, he was uh, basically saying that he felt that, that European people were s- smart enough to see through the, the, the crude, what he called the crude propaganda of these outlets. Now, Daly and Wallace didn't respond to my queries about this particular vote. Uh, but they uh, did endorse, or rather, they did not endorse the report that the European Parliament did to foreign interference in the European elections, a report that Bing Flanagan did support. Um, Claire Daly spoke very strongly last week against this report. Um, she Uh, She she was very critical of it uh, in a speech to the European Parliament, basically saying, arguing that um, that uh, that that the report was silent on some of the most consequential sources of disinformation and interference in, in European democracy. She said there was a large concentration of capital, foreign and European, exercising massive influence over lawmaking and policy formulation in the EU and member states through private media ownership, corporate lobbying and political funding. I, I suppose one of her most incendiary remarks was that strong democracy democracy should tolerate internal dissent, but that what was being proposed in this report overall, including in the amendment that criticized Russia today and welcomed its ban the ban on Russia today, was that this is actually textbook McCarthyism designed to stigmatise dissent. So Wallace and Daly rep- opposed the report the report. Uh, Flanagan supported it, but all three MEPs voted down an amendment that endorsed the EU-wide ban on on RT and and other Russian propaganda. It emerged last week as well that officials um, at the European Parliament in Strasbourg, where the the Parliament sits uh, once a month, are investigating uh, Nazi stickers being placed on the offices of the two MEPs, McWallace and Claire Daly, and um, that they were one of only a handful of, of MEPs to vote against the European Parliament resolution that argued in favour of expediting Ukraine's membership of the uh, or candidacy rather for EU membership uh, recently, while
0: forthrightly condemning the Russian illegal invasion of Ukraine and the voting record shows that we voted for those parts of the resolution. What we opposed was the uh, increasing of arms into Ukraine, the acceleration of NATO involvement, and the acceleration of military militarism and military expenditure inside the EU, so,
2: which so, is something. So, so
1: Daly does. said that she had been subjected to brute intimidation since they voted down the motion um, earlier, uh, late last month, rather. Um, but I suppose this is something which is obviously feeding into a wider issue around the the views of Nick Wallace and Claire Daly, in particular, and to a lesser extent, Luke Flanagan, on Russian aggression against Ukraine and the degree to which. They believe um, that NATO has played a role in this. They believe that the West has played a role in terms of of kind of facilitating this aggression and and sort of allowing this aggression to take place. They believe there's culpability on both sides. And they are seen, I suppose, as more sympathetic to the Russian position than a a lot of other, uh, in fact, the the majority of all all other Irish MEPs, in
2: fact. The responsibility for opening hostilities is solely with President Putin. But we do not withdraw our long-standing criticism of NATO's brigsmanship and recklessness of Western policy on Ukraine. Both Russia and the West bear responsibility for creating conditions of instability and confrontation in Ukraine in pursuit of their strategic and economic interest. Despite rhetoric, Europe hasn't been a friend of Ukraine. The country has been used as a pawn and Ukrainian lives have been treated as expendable.
1: Um, last December, for example, they voted against a landmark uh, European Parliament resolution, which condemns the Russian aggression towards Ukraine. This was at a time when tens of thousands of, of Russian troops were on the border with Ukraine. Uh, there was a view that, that that they wouldn't invade. Obviously, all that's been thrown out now. At this point, that we've seen what's happened in recent weeks. But their uh, their voting records and their record generally on on Russian issues uh, has come under great scrutiny in the last uh, in the last few months.
0: Independence for change would suggest a very liberal left-wing politics. But, Kim, you've written a very extensive piece for the Irish Independent that looked at where both Daly and Wallace have stood in relation to other authoritarian states like Russia. What other regimes have they shown support to?
2: Well, there's also China. Mick Wallace and Claire Daly have been defended the regime in China, probably even more directly than in Wallace's case than uh, than defending Russia. Um, in an article in Global Times last year, Wallace said that the Communist Party of China was doing a great job of serving the interests of his people. And he sort of lavished praise on the regime saying... The system of government is, quote, serving the people, whereas the system of government in Europe is serving its business first. And, you know, he sort of defended the Chinese regime when, when it was com- coming under attack uh, over suppressing uh, democracy protests in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. He's taken up a position on Taiwan you know, which is seeking to be, you know, which is an independent, autonomous state. But, you know, basically he was saying that it was part of China and recognized as such.
0: They're also supporters of the Cuban government and went to Venezuela in December 2020 to oversee the elections. Is that correct?
2: yeah they they were hosted by um the venezuelan uh election authority to oversee the election so they they paid for the trip there was concerns i think within the european parliament that this was a sort of fake election observance trip but they said that they didn't claim that they were official observers on behalf of the European Parliament. Um, I mean, there have been a lot of concerns about that regime as well, the Maduro regime in Venezuela. Human Rights Watch says that uh, there's brutal repression in the country with security forces and armed pro-government groups committing egregious abuses, including extrajudicial killings, short-term enforced disappearances, and arbitrary arrests.
0: Hugh, can I bring you back in? When it comes back to um, Claire Daly and Mick Wallace being MEPs, is, it, is what they're doing now in contradiction with um, when they were first elected?
1: Certainly their, their record domestically was one uh, that was lauded by many, I suppose, in term, particularly in terms of their highlighting of issues of Garda uh, corruption. And the, the case of Morris McCabe, the Garda whistleblower, a celebrated Garda whistleblower who raised, um, you know, serious claims of, of, about Garda malpractice, uh, and was largely uh, vindicated through the Disclosures Tribunal. Um, Wallace and Daly were early champions of Morris McCabe's cause when he wasn't getting much traction with the government of the day or with other. Uh, main political parties, Wallace and Daly repeatedly raised his case in the Dole, and that of other Garda whistleblowers. Uh, they were seen as very diligent, um, hard-working TDs who put a lot of research into uh, the issues that they uh, took up in the Dole chamber. Uh, Mick Wallace was a, a harsh critic of NAMA. Um, you know, He obviously has a, a developer background himself and, and controversies related to that.
0: Maybe just give us a, a reminder of his political career.
1: Yeah, I mean, first elected in, in Wexford in, in 2011, uh, hu- hugely popular within the constituency. He founded the Wexford Football Club, Wexford Views. Um, he owned a property development and construction firm, um, which completed the developments like the Italian Quarter in Ormond Key and, and other developments. But the company collapsed in, in liquidation. Uh, Wallace was eventually declared bankrupt in 2016. He had a number of tax issues uh, which which emerged and a number of controversial financial issues.
2: Yeah, I mean, he made he made a two million euro settlement with revenue in twenty twelve for underpayment of VAT and also very contra he had also been fined seven thousand euro in December twenty eleven for failing to pay pension contributions for his construction workers back in two thousand and eight.
0: He's always been kind of viewed as a very colourful kind of character.
2: I would have first come, he would have first come to my attention, I think, back when he was a sort of Celtic tiger builder, slightly, you know, unusual. Um, and he put up these huge signs near the keys, you know, against the Iraq war. And that that was when I first, he first came to my attention as a sort yeah. of political Campaigner really.
0: And Hugh, then when we talk about Claire Daly um, and and Mick Wallace, that, that was a, a, a quite an unusual alliance, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, a very unlikely uh, a political alliance between Claire Daly and Mick Wallace. Claire Daly was elected in, into the door first in twenty eleven. Um, she's a, a former member of of the Labour Party. She founded the militant Labour movement with with Joe Higgins, who was kind of a a, a political mentor to her. She was a Fingal County councillor, for, dating back as far as the late nineties. Um, a former shop steward for, uh, in er, who worked in in Airlingus in Dublin Airport. Um, she took up a lot of left wing causes, but she actually resigned from the Socialist Party um, in in the mid two thousands and teamed up with. With Mick Wallace, and and they formed a very close political association, which has kind of lasted all through the Garda whistleblower scandals in the Dole and then elected to the European Parliament um, in 2019, um, where they really uh, have have championed a lot of the causes that they have uh, that Kim spoke about earlier in terms of um, in terms of I suppose taking positions that are slightly at odds with with kind of conventional and certainly with kind of Irish foreign policy. I mean, another issue that they've caused controversy over is, is rejecting claims, um, that they, or rather they have had to reject claims that they've been spreading fake news about an alleged chemical weapons attack in Syria. And um, uh, f- effectively, back in, in 2021, Nick Wallace questioned the conclusion of a report by the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, which concluded that the, uh, the regime of Bashar al-Assad had, had used chlorine gas on an attack in, in the city of Douma in 2018. Um, He was accused of fake news by other MEPs in the parliament, and he's been heavily criticised by people like Fianna Fáil MEP Barry Andrews, for example, he and Claire Daly for the positions they've taken in relation to the uh, atrocities committed by Assad's regime in Syria. But they've stuck to their guns on that and on many other issues, very much going against the mainstream foreign policy uh, positions of the EU and of Ireland.
2: Yeah, and another thing when we go back to Russia and Ukraine, I suppose, is that they questioned the fides of the protesters that took part in the uprising, the Maidan revolution in Ukraine in 2014, when there was a huge popular movement because people wanted to get closer to the EU. The government was deposed and they have repeatedly said that this was all a kind of U.S. orchestrated coup. And... Critics would say this is another um, conspiracy theory that they're peddling. They do their own podcast and it's quite interesting to look at their view, follow their views, and they're very clear, I mean, on January the 28th, they sort of ridicule the idea that there could be an invasion at we'll all.
0: ...thinking that Russians wouldn't invade Zelensky and probably most of the U- C- C- Ukrainian population didn't believe that Russia would invade I think many European powers didn't think that they would either but the point that and they were said
2: making it was hysterical this- and they said that the Ukrainian regime the sovereign government was you know acting like NATO puppets so you got a very clear idea then what what they thought and obviously they've um rode back th- since they have no real sense of the feeling among the smaller states around Russia, the feeling of being under threat. Like the, she, she said in the January the twenty eighth podcast, that um, the Baltic states were being hysterical in in expressing the view that you know arms should be given to Ukraine to defend itself in the event of an eva- invasion.
0: I'm just wondering, as I listen to you now, Kim and and Hugh, feel free to jump in on on this question too. Um, when they did run uh, for to be MEPs, I mean, what were the issues at hand? I mean, what what was it that got the pair successfully elected? Because it's you know it's a very well paid job there in, in the EU, isn't it?
1: I, I think that they got elected to the European Parliament off the strength of their own personal brands and the fact that they had spent several years in the dole championing the causes of people who um, were done wrong by the state. Uh, Boris McCabe is, is the, the classic example of that. Uh, but But really, they were seen as outsiders who were challenging the political system. Um, and they were capitalizing on that in a way, I think, that um, was appealing to, to very many voters. Often local and European elections turn into sort of midterm referendums on the government of the day. And if you think about the context in which the local and European elections were fought in 2019, uh, Finnegale Gael was, was not particularly popular at the time. And anyone, any candidate who was running against uh, a Fine Gael candidate or even a Fina Fáil candidate, for that matter, uh, always stood a good chance if they railed against the policies of those, of those two parties in particular. You had Sinn Féin had a particularly bad uh, local and European elections. So again, you, you see that they were able to capitalise on that as well, perhaps, and hoover up some of that left-wing vote that might have gone to, in, in the past to uh, Sinn Féin or Labour. Instead, it went to, to Nick Wallace and Claire Daly, just really on the strength of their own personal brands, outsiders, challenging the political norms, challenging the political system, and challenging the causes of people who, who, had been, who had been wronged. And I think that's really why they, they, they got elected to the European Parliament. I don't think anyone uh, voting for them, or very few people who voted for them in 2019, and there were tens of thousands of people who gave their first preferences to Claire Daly and Mick Wallace. I don't think they did so on the basis of their positions on Ukraine, on Russia on the plight of the Uyghur people, on China, on on Syria. I don't think that they were looking too closely at the foreign policy positions of Nicholas and Claire Daly when they cast their vote in 2019.
2: What's surprising to me is, you know, why they defended the Russian regime, because it's not in any way left-wing. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a kleptocracy run for the benefit of a few... Billionaires. So it's hardly, I mean, is there a kind of strange nostalgia for the Soviet time, you know, and that legacy? That's what's quite mystifying. I mean, one of the biggest supporters of Putin or, or, or constituencies, foreign constituencies supporting Putin has been among, you know, the Republican right, Steve Bannon you know, you could say Donald Trump, people like that. And what what has that got to do with socialism? You know, that that's what's mysterious.
0: And it is, it's almost, and this was mentioned earlier, but this idea of the US being the big bad guys. So th- there's a sense of maybe uh, going against anything the US stands yeah, for. Yeah, I
2: think that that's a lot of it, because I think it's they've taken my enemy's enemy is my friend to perhaps to an extreme, and that has perhaps blinded them to concerns about Russia, China. I mean, Assad in Syria, as you mentioned earlier, you know, what What has Assad's regime got to recommend it? I mean, they would say themselves they don't support that regime, but why do they defend it when it's Criticized? Why do they defend Russia? You know, they oppose, say, they've come up out with statements against Alexei Navalny, the Russian opposition leader, the main opposition leader in Belarus as well, you know, making out they're sort of pawns of neoliberalism or something like that.
0: Hugh, what, what will all of this do for their futures? as uh, MEPs?
1: Well, I, I think it's going to have a huge impact on their uh, the, their potential to get re-elected in 2024. Obviously, uh, it depends really on where things stand in 2024 in terms of the, the war in Ukraine and, and what the outcome of that is or whether it's still being waged at that point. Um, but this is, this is undoubtedly, I think, done damage to them in terms of the electorate back at home. Uh, I think you've seen both Wallace Daly and even Luke Ming Flanagan uh, in the Irish Independent last week coming out and, and sort of explaining. Uh, he explained his position. Wallace and Daly are on record, I think, as condemning the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, you know, so I think they recognise that what Putin has done has probably it's surprised the world. It's also surprised them. I think they didn't think perhaps he would go as far as he as he has done. Uh, and, and probably will do over the course of the next few weeks and months. Um, and I think that that's, that's a difficult spot for them politically, because I think that it threatens really their, uh, their, their support in the next European election, because people will look back at this period and think that they potentially were on the wrong side of history here, that they for years, uh, you know, defended the Putin regime, criticized those who were critical of the Putin regime, Um, and now are in a situation where they are perceived to be uh, somehow almost tacitly endorsing what's going on in Ukraine, even though they've obviously publicly condemned what happens. Their voting record in the European Parliament tells a different story over the last few years. And I think it's something that their political opponents in uh, other independents, candidates, other independent MEPs, uh Finafoe, Labour, the Green Party, perhaps even Sinn Fein will all target them in the next election because they are they were big vote getters in twenty nineteen and there's those votes that, that those parties will want to win back from them.
0: My thanks there to Kim Bielenberg and Hugh O'Connell. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was presented and produced by myself. Research by Tabitha Monahan and Mark Donlan with sound design by John Smith. Archive clips from This Week on RTE Radio 1. I foresee trouble with Daly and Wallace podcast and the European Parliament multimedia platform. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.